So continuing the reflection on exploring the delusion around self. This um, aspect, an aspect of our experience that is often the nature of delusion often, you know, that it's hard to see. And so it, it helps sometimes to kind of go through some of the ways that we identify as self, the ways that we take ourselves to be something. We've been exploring that over the last few weeks, in particular around identities. Looking through the the lens, essentially, of one of the teachings um, from the Zen tradition, from Zen Master Dogen, to study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be awakened by all things. And this points to the the natural kind of unfolding of our practice, that as we do start to look at these um, areas of experience, which may be hidden from us, in this case, the sense of self, start to look at that, we start to see it's not what we took it to be. It's not as stable as we thought it was. It's not... Uh, kind of traveling through time. It's not a thing. There's a process there that's happening that we uh, tend to identify as self. And in some ways, you know, the I use this analogy in the guided meditation of the stream of experience. And it's like certain certain aspects of that stream, we, it's like we, we are comfortable in certain places in that stream. It's like, oh yeah, that's me. But there's a whole lot more of the stream out there. It's just that we're kind of in this one little groove of it, one little section of it. And in that kind of being in that groove, we're um, taking that to be who I am. And so we've been exploring a little bit about that and, and beginning to uh, see perhaps that these identities are, are experiences that come and go rather than being something stable that lasts through time. So there is something, you know, there is a process that happens in our bodies and minds that... Um, in particular, a place or a way that we tend to identify is around agency. So there's a process in our minds that chooses things. And very often that process of choosing is motivated by some sense of an identity, of some sense of I am. And so the, the sense of self is a participant in the unfolding reality that we experience, a participant and a shaper of the unfolding reality that we experience. And then that shaped experience in turn shapes new experience. Yet nothing stable or solid in this whole stream that we can identify, pin down, and say, that's me. That's who I am. 
we might we might feel at times that strong sense of that's who I am. But if you in the exploration, encouraged by um, the teachings of the Buddha and that Dogen explicitly pointed to, study that sense of I am. Curious, be curious about what is it that you're taking to be me right now? What is it that you're taking to be who I am? And with that exploration, you will start to see that it is simply a changing set of processes unfolding, not what you took to be, not what you took it to be, something kind of more stable or solid. An I, a me, traveling through time and space. So we've explored this exploration, studying the self from a couple different perspectives. Um, last week we've exp we explored looking at how the um, identities that we uh, put on others is a form of selfing. You know, the, the sense that when we when we hear in our minds the sense of they them that's who they are that's who that's what they do you know that, that we're othering or creating an identity of somebody externally putting an identity onto somebody essentially sometimes it can happen to us we feel it perhaps more uh, clearly if somebody is othering us if somebody is putting an identity onto us you know it's like wait a minute maybe that's not who I am, and we might feel some resistance there. So we looked at that last time, the way that that othering, that kind of separation into someone else out there inherently already means there's a sense of me here. And so that's, an, uh, that's a way to study the sense of self also, not only to look at what I'm identifying, what it feels like to be me, but when we're creating a sense of other. We've looked at it from both perspectives over the last few weeks. Today, um, I'd like to look at this aspect of agency. This was a, a key teaching the Buddha pointed to around the sense of self. In one of the main discourses the Buddha um, offered, on the teaching of not-self, it kind of started with an exploration around this question of control. And so he started this teaching with the reflection. He asked his followers to reflect, to, to just, you know, this is using our, using our mental capacity. Think about our experience. From this, from this perspective, curious about what's going on in there. And he, he, um, there's a teaching from the Buddha, which we'll get to in this Tuesday morning series and in some number of weeks from now, more thoroughly. Um, uh, it's a teaching about kind of the different processes that make up our body and mind. It's called the teaching on the five aggregates. And that even that phrase, the five aggregates, sounds really technical and complex, but it's it's basically just dividing up our experience into five different categories. And those we could talk about it in those streams, right? The streams of 
physical experience. That's one stream of our of our uh, of our uh, human experience that we have this body and there's the physical component of it, physical sensations, sound, sight, smell, taste, all of that in that physical stream. And then he uh, identified four key mental streams of experience. A stream of weather experience, the experience being pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral as one kind of process of, of the mind. The stream of recognizing experience, of kind of looking around and knowing what, what the world is. Perception, this is called. And there's just a process in the mind that recognizes experience. So he, he was exploring these as processes of experience, essentially. And in one place, he defined them as processes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's a process that kind of, and, and actually, you know, the process that recognizes um, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, there's, um, you know, in the modern day neuropsychology, there is a kind of an understanding that there's a place in the brain that recognizes, that puts that together for us. Um, so, you know, the Buddha identified these as processes before there was a brain kind of uh, map or neurology, but, you know, he, he just looked in his own mind and identified these as, as four key mental processes at work that create or kind of weave together to form our experience. So in addition to the body, there's this feeling process, there's this perception process, the process of recognizing what's around us. And then there's a process that he called volitional formation, mental, uh, mental um, formation sometimes. This is, um, you know, the set of things that happen in our minds around um, mental, activities like thinking and emotions and mind states. So this, this category of volitional uh, formations is a big, a big group of what happens in our experience. It includes the entirety of our emotional life, our thoughts. Uh, it includes all of the meditative states. Um, so it includes, you know, states of mind like mindfulness and concentration and patience and things that we wouldn't necessarily call emotion but uh, are a, a mental uh, kind of construction all of these things come and go the feeling tone comes and goes the the uh, perceptions come and go these mental formations come and go we all know this right we know that emotions are here sometimes and then they're they go away and they come back. So yeah, there's there's all this flow of these these um, mental formations, and then the fifth um, stream that the Buddha mentions is the stream of of knowing of consciousness. Just a very bare kind of meeting of experience, knowing that seeing is happening, knowing that hearing is happening, knowing that smelling is happening, knowing that tasting is happening knowing that mental activity is happening, all of these different, um, this is a different kind of way of dividing up experience through the sense bases. 
but the consciousness um, is usually defined in terms of those sense spaces that each sense there's a consciousness that, that's with it and so there's the the consciousness of yeah just the kind of the the consciousness of seeing just kind of the contact of light hitting the eye as a separate the buddha defined that or understood that as a separate process from whether the thing that's seen is recognized as blue or red or green or a square or a couch or a table or a lamp and so there's the the kind of the recognizing process with the seeing there's the feeling whether we take that experience as pleasant or unpleasant combined with those is just this really simple uh you know knowing that seeing is happening so there's this consciousness stream so um we'll get to that more as we uh, in this exploration of the four noble truths in the eightfold path wandering through the eightfold path we're in wise mindfulness the fourth foundation of mindfulness includes the teaching on the five aggregates so we'll get there at some point um in much more depth than what i just did but but i wanted to introduce it a little bit here because the um the teaching on not self is often um you know when the buddha talks about not self he's often pointing to the ways that we cling and create identities around these processes of body and mind so the teaching of not self is very connected with this teaching on the aggregates and we'll come back to the teaching on not self when we when we cover the aggregates later in this in this series too um, but but in terms of the teaching on control this teaching that um, um, around not self uh, the buddha um, pointed to these five streams and asked his monks asked his followers to reflect for each of these streams so just right now just reflecting for yourself for your body for the physicality of your experience for you know what you see what you hear what you smell what you taste what you touch and your uh you know the the um this whole physical realm the buddha says can you say of all of that physical realm may it be this way may it not be this way may it be thus may it not be thus now of sometimes we can do certain things like for instance i can say may it be thus that i pick up a glass of water yes i can do that in that moment so there's there's a way that the, the agency of our system that agency actually is found in that stream of mental processes of mental formation that process of choosing is a, is just found within that stream of experience so there's that agency that is possible around certain things you know so i can choose for instance whether i'm sitting or standing in this moment but the uh you know the question is not can you uh can you um uh, say may the body sometimes be thus or may the body sometimes not be thus but can you say that always? 
do you have absolute agency over the physical realm in your even in your own body we know that we don't have agency over the world out there but in our own body and it's pretty easy to say, to see no you know wouldn't it be nice if i could say of my body you know may my body not be um you know re reactive to bell peppers you know <laughs> i can't do that this is this is the body that i have so the Buddha in encouraged his, um, his followers to reflect for each of these streams. So can we say of the body, may the body be thus, may the body not be thus. With that reflection, he says, we can't say that. And he says, it is because this stream of physical experience is not self. That we can't have can't say of the physical process, may it be thus, may it not be thus. And so this is, so he starts with the reflection, do we have this agency? Can we, there is some level of agency, as I said, but do we have complete agency over our physical aspect? And it's pretty clear, I think pretty clear to us that no, we don't have that. And so the Buddha then points to, that's evidence for not self. The, the phrase is, it is precisely because it is not self that we cannot say of the physical stream, may it be thus, may it not be thus. So that's, that's, adding, a, that's adding a teaching into the mind there. That's, that's kind of, maybe it's not something we believe at this moment, but that's kind of the Buddhist proposal there. Okay, look at your look at your experience. Is there control? You'll see in all aspects, you know, feeling tone. Can we choose whether or not, for instance, if we cut ourselves with a knife, can we decide that that's not going to be unpleasant? Probably not. There's some measure of, um, you know, uh, possibility of, th especially through learning our. Um, how to be mindful, there's a measure of possibility to learn how to not be so reactive to that unpleasant experience. But even that reaction often happens without our, you know, our choice, our control. So we don't, we, we, we can't choose of our mental formations often. May anger not be here may mindfulness arise you know <laughs> um you know the the the, the um, often we see through the practice of mindfulness how little control we have over these mental formations the mental formations being very conditioned by our history and so Emotional responses, emotional reactions arise in dependence on conditions. Can we say of them, stop arising? You know, sometimes we can, we can recognize, oh, that's not so helpful. You know, so the, there is this agency in our system that again, you know, the, the sense of, 
of self, I, I pointed to this in the guided meditation, you know, the, the um, encouraging, you know, starting with this, just checking in how you are, and then having the understanding that relaxation is supportive for cultivating mindfulness. That understanding can support a choice to explore relaxation in the body. So the understanding informs a, a sense of, and, and through the recognition of the kind of repeated history that we might have with meditation of understanding that way is supportive for well-being, then with the recognition of, okay, relaxation is a helpful condition, the system can choose to engage in that process of relaxation. It doesn't actually need an I or me to make that decision. It feels like there's an I or me making that decision to do that relaxation often. And, and that, you know, so that agency, that this is a place that's often, um, you know, it's a sticky place for us in our, in our understanding of not self, this place of agency, because, you know, we might think, and there was a question a few weeks ago around free will, and this comes in here. Um, but I think I'm going to defer the whole conversation on free will to next week. But there is the, 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 um, the sense of, you know, if I can't make a choice, if, if everything is conditioned, if I don't have the agency to make a choice, then everything just, you know, there's why, then why bother to, to make a choice? The, uh, the, the kind of exploration here is that, you know, if we, if we don't, consciously choose when we have a capacity to choose. So there's the, the kind of the unfolding history of our conditioning, right? There's the, the everything that has happened in the past that tends to shape how we respond to things, how we relate to things. And that, um, that history uh, tends to make those choices for us. So, you know, if we've been conditioned around reacting to a particular thing and with anger or frustration, that will tend to be what happens, especially when we're not aware of it, when we're not aware of what's going on. And there's a lot going on under the surface, a lot of, a lot of, of conditioned uh, habits and patterns that, that are hard to see. Even when we're mindful, sometimes they're hard to see. So we may not be aware of the, of the currents of that stream that are motivating us. And when we're unaware of the currents of that stream that are motivating us, those currents are making decisions for us. So that's, you know, that doesn't sound very much like free will. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, you know, that's just, that's the, the currents of that stream. And, and, um, and yet when we become aware of the currents of that stream, as our process, as our mental, uh, as a mindfulness gets stronger, and as there is an awareness of what those currents are, 
there's also the understanding in that moment. So when those currents are underground, when those currents are underground, the, those currents are kind of really shaping how our experience is in that stream. But as the mindfulness sees those currents, there's the possibility for the mindfulness to draw on other conditions, to draw on conditions um, of, of teaching. For instance, the simple condition I brought in in the guided meditation, it's useful to relax. That supports the capacity to be mindful. Just my saying that is a condition in the present moment that can influence the choices that are made. So the um, when there is some awareness of that stream, then the 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 system, our 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 system of mental and physical processes, will tend to choose or will tend to head in the direction of choices that will lead to more well-being. So that that also may not be what you define as free will. I don't know. I mean that that's a we'll explore that a little more next week. But the the I think the key in terms of the the um the sense of agency is that when we become mindful of what's happening and what the motivating choices are, there is a possibility in the present moment of looking at what these motivations are and potentially uh, in the present moment choosing to act or not act on what's arising in the moment. And that choice of acting or not acting will be informed based on historical decisions, based on how we are in this moment, based on what we understand the uh, outcome would be in the future. So there's a lot that can happen in the present moment when we are aware of this choice point, of this moment of choice point. And so there's this kind of interesting, you know, blend of choice and of control and no control. And and so you know I'm, I'm tr what I'm trying to do here is to weave these two teachings together a little bit to point to there isn't ultimately control over our um, streams of experience, and yet there is an agency that, especially when mindfulness is strong, can tend to choose. a path or a direction that leads to more well-being in the future, as opposed to being caught in the same habits and patterns over and over again. So the, uh, the exploration around that the Buddha is pointing to around control is first of all to look at, you know, this, this evidence for lack of control, you know, that the, the, Start with starting with a reflection, you know, starting with this. Um, okay, can I say of this right now? May it may it be this way? May it not be this way? And and that can be an interesting reflection also in our, um, you know, in our mindfulness practice when something's arising, you know, a experience of uh, an emotional reactivity, for instance. 
so many times I've been experiencing something. It's like, wow, I'd, I'd, I'd let go of this if I knew how to let go of it. But, you know, I don't know how to let go of this. So, you know, what happens here is I get to watch this. You know, this is, this is, this is the experience that's happening. This is what mindfulness is meeting. This is what's being received. And there's no way that the system of agency knows how to do anything with this, you know, how to stop this or get rid of it. That understanding in that moment, there's not the control to do that, is an insight or can be a pointer to this understanding of not-self. This is, this is what the Buddha was pointing to essentially. It's like when you notice, when there's not that control. Rather than beating yourself up and, you know, feeling like, what did I do wrong that I'm not in control of this? It's like, oh, this is not controllable precisely because it's not self. So not self is... Um, You know, it's hard to see sometimes, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to see the senses of self that we identify, but this point or the point that, you know, is being, is being made here is that when there is this kind of rub around lack of control, that very rub is a pointer to an identification of thinking either I should have control or, you know, that, that, you know, that, that somebody else has taken control from me somehow. Sometimes, sometimes we feel not, not that, you know, uh, that I'm at fault here, but somebody else is at fault. Somebody else is to blame for, for this situation, essentially externalizing the sense of, of control to, to somebody else. So there's actually plenty of evidence for this teaching of not-self. There's plenty of evidence for it. If we can begin to see this uh, lack of control, when, when it's clear to us that, yeah, that this is not something I have control over, you know, rather than, rather, rather than like beating ourselves up for it or railing at the world about it, oh, this is evidence for not-self. And the, the paradox here too, that I, I wanna you know, be really clear about because that teaching can sound like giving up. You know, oh, I don't have control. This is not-self. So, you know, it, it, it can sound like a giving up. But the encouragement is to recognize the not-self nature of it and yet to look at the agency. What agency is there in this moment? Maybe there's a point, like for instance, if you get, if you get a diagnosis of a, of a, of a, you know, a disease that, um, you know, it's like, okay, well that, I don't have control so much over the fact of that diagnosis. And yet there's some agency in choosing how to treat it, well, how to respond, how to, how to, how to navigate it. And so the, you know, this, this teaching on not self can sometimes take us into a place of 
feeling helpless, especially around this recognition of the uncontrollable nature of experience. That we might just say, well, why bother? You know, why bother doing anything if there's, if there's not the ultimate control? Well, there is some measure of agency that our system has. There's choices that are made. If the, the, the choosing to give up is an act of choice. So there, there's that possibility of saying, well, why bother acting? That's an act of choice also. So our, our human system is designed to meet each moment and kind of evaluate and weigh options. This is how our human system is designed. It doesn't need to have a self in there to do that. And yet there is this kind of looking at, you know, our system will, our, our, our mind will evaluate in a moment, you know, it's like, oh, this has happened to me in the past, especially when we're mindful, especially when we're, we're here present, available to know what's here. Um, uh, the system can evaluate, this is what's happening. These kinds of experience have, have, had, have, have happened in the past. Acting in this way will tend to lead to these results. As we bring mindfulness into the equation, we get a whole new set of information about what, um, what activities support well-being and what activities tend to catch us. And so the mind will tend to move in the direction of, of well-being. So when we, when we notice that rub around a lack of control, you know, that's, that's a place to, um, to be curious about, you know, both the, 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 often that rub around the lack of control is a resistance or it's, it's, a, it's almost, it can be a feeling of denial. No, I should have control. You know, that the I is in there, the sense of self is in there feeling like I should have control. And so that rub is often a pointer to an identification. So that's a place to explore that rub, that feeling of frustration, that feeling of, of confusion or anxiety that happens with that feeling of not having control. So that's another inroad, in pl a place to, to explore, investigate uh, the sense of self when we recognize that uncontrollable nature of experience, noticing the relationship to that. So it looks like there's some questions in the chat. Let's see. Um, so um, a, um, a question about consciousness as bare awareness at each sense door. Does bare awareness encompass fi all five aggregates? So being aware, so consciousness, when, when we are aware of experience, uh, that consciousness can be aware of any of the aggregates, including consciousness. So um, um, I wouldn't say necessarily that, yeah, consciousness is, is, is kind of just a very simple uh, kind of, knowing in a moment. And as I said, we'll get into that more in a, in a few more weeks. So 
Uh, but yes, when we are aware, consciousness can be aware of feeling, of perception, of body sensations. So yes, uh, bare awareness includes all of, all of experience. It can include whatever's happening. Um, then, um, so yes, and this, this piece about the additional input of mindfulness, mindfulness in the present moment, that's what I was, I think I, I was trying to point to, perhaps I didn't say it quite so clearly, that um, when we are mindful, I mean, and, and hearing, so, you know, all of the teachings, everything is unfolding by conditions. You happen to have heard the teachings of the Buddha. You happen to have heard that it's useful to be mindful. That may have spurred a curiosity in your system about, huh, I wonder about that. Maybe I can try that, you know, so that agency, you know, talking about the possibility of recognizing mindfulness and bring, you know, kind of noticing it and bringing it into experience, something that agency can do at times, you know, it, again, mindfulness is a mental formation. It is a coming and going mental formation. And so I often like to, to bring this, this in. Um, so the, the, the teaching around the control with the mental formations, it's like, so the Buddha says, okay, mental formations. Can you say of mental formations? May my mental formations be thus, may they not be thus. He says, because they're not self, it's not possible. And so I like to stick some mental formations in there just as a, as a description. So, okay, so anger is a mental formation. Can you say of anger, may it be thus, may it not be thus? Well, when caught in anger, often no, we just get to feel it. Mindfulness. Can we say of mindfulness, may it be thus, may it not be thus? May I be continuously mindful? Wouldn't that be great? No, we don't have that kind of control over our capacity to be mindful. The more mindfulness is recognized and seen as valuable, the more it tends to arise in our experience. But we can't say of mindfulness, okay, I get it, mindfulness. I'd like you here all the time. So, you know, it's not because it's not self. We don't have that capacity. And yet, when mindfulness arises, it is an input in the present moment. So, you know, I talked about the stream of experience coming from the past and the tendency for that stream to be kind of perpetuating itself. You know, the, 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 if we have these underground streams of habits and patterns, when we're not aware of that underground stream, they tend to perpetuate themselves. We tend to react based on those habits and patterns, and that reaction out of those habits and patterns tends to reinforce them, digs those ruts a little deeper, and reinforces those streams. With um, mindfulness in the present moment, and so those streams, when we're not aware, when we're not aware of those underlying motivations, they're just perpetuating themselves. But as we become mindful in the present moment of those streams, it's like it adds a new condition to the present moment. So those the possibility in the present moment of not simply being at the mercy of those that the, the strength of those streams, 
So mindfulness, yes, mindfulness adds a condition to the present moment. It also is not self adding, you know, that condition that's added. But again, it can feel like I'm doing it. You know, so it's an interesting paradox. And something I think I'll, I'll say here is, um, you know, is there, is there, I don't know, is there free will or is there not free will? You know, I think partly it depends on how you define it. And next week we'll talk a little bit more about different definitions of free will. And, um, um, and, the, and, the, and the, the way the sense of self comes in there, right? You know, it's like the sense of, I need to make this choice to be mindful or not mindful. Um, and so, you know, if it feels like you have a choice, if it feels like there's an I there that's trying to make a choice about something, and you're aware of that, that sense of I and that sense of needing to make a choice, as best you can, make a skillful one in that moment. There's a huge middle area. It's like when, when we're not mindful, you know, our habits and patterns are driving the show. There's not a sense of me as necessarily making a choice. It's like, we'll wake up into having made a choice. It's like, oh yeah, that was a bad decision. I made that one. That was, you know, it will kind of retroactively assign it to an I. You know, so, so, you know, that when we're not aware of that, those streams, we attribute the I kind of in retrospect to, yeah, I made that bad decision or I made that great decision, whatever. And then as the mindfulness gets stronger and stronger, as there's more of the sense of seeing, um, you know, the motivations and choices that are made, what seems to happen is that wisdom begins making those choices. mindfulness sees oh this arising experience this is not a useful thing to act on and yeah not possible to just have it go away in this moment but the mind can be with it there can be there can be awareness of it and so wisdom starts making choices for us and we can actually start to see in a way, again, the kind of the similar pattern happening when we're not aware of things, but when we're very aware, as mindfulness gets stronger and wisdom gets stronger, wisdom starts, and we can see this, it's like, oh yeah, wisdom made that decision. I didn't, I didn't say to my mind, yeah, drop that, that freight train of anger. It just happened. You know, we can see this kind of thing happening. We can see that I'm not making the choice but a skillful choice is being made. And then there's a big place in the middle where it feels like I'm making the choice. And as best you can in that big middle terrain, when it feels like you have a choice, make as skillful a decision as you can in that moment, based on all the information and knowledge that you have about your history, your conditioning your what what your experience is and the teachings that you have the understanding that you have about acting out of greed aversion and delusion tending to lead to further suffering acting out of wisdom and compassion tending to lead to more ease and more peace in your lives <laughs>